Okay, the story continues. <laughs> so the Avinu Malkeinu, bottom of page 59, right? Two versions of the Avinu Malkeinu. There's the short version that we recite here on Mondays and Thursdays. There's the long version recited during high holidays. There's the long version recited during uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, as well as on fast days. So I'll tell you a cute story. Where we have the long list of Avinu Malkinu, Avinu Malkinu, our father, a king, our father, a king, save us for this, help us for this, help us because of this. A beautiful, very meaningful prayer. So I was in fifth or sixth grade, and we were about to recite Avinu Malkinu in school. And the teacher gets up. It was a, we were we had a whole minion. It was like three or four different grades together. Teacher, teacher gets up and says. Who knows how many Avinu Malkenus there are? And we're all thinking, we open the sitter, we're counting. And people start shooting out numbers. Wrong. What do you mean? I just counted it. Somebody shoots out a similar number. Wrong. What do you mean? I just counted it. He says, there's one Avinu Malkenu. There's only one, our father, our king. That's God. It was a cute uh, anecdote, he was trying to convey a point. You know, there's <laughs> how many in the text? He's, there's only one God. Where does this prayer, Avino Malkeno, our father, our king, come from? Well, first of all, let, let's read through it real quickly. The short version, bottom of page 59. If you want the long version, it's on page um, page 454. But the short version, we'll read through it real quickly. Our father, our king, you are our father. Our Father, our King, we have no king except you. Our Father, our King, have mercy upon us. Our Father, our King, be gracious to us and answer us, for we have no meritous deeds. For the sake of your great name, deal charitably and kindly with us and deliver us. Who wrote this prayer? What's the backstory to this prayer? So here's the story. Going back... About 2,000 years ago, there was a famine in Israel, a drought. There was no rain. And people, it was not good times. It was not a, a very pretty sight. <laughs> people were not happy, to say the least. The Talmud says that Rabbi Eliezer got up and recited 24 blessings. He recited the 18 blessings of the Amida an additional six blessings that were recited traditionally on fast days. He recites 24 blessings authored by Ezra, authored by the sages. Nothing happens. Then Rabbi Akiva gets up. And Rabbi Akiva gets up and he says, Avinu Malkeinu, our father, our king. Ein lanu melech ela ata. We have no other king except you. And it starts pouring rain. Rabbi Kiva was answered. The apparently the Avinu Malkinu prayer elicits mercy, gets God to answer us. Um the the the, the, the joke or anecdote, if you will, that they say is that there was once a kid in class, and his teacher was also his father. And kid does something wrong and gets in trouble. 
The teacher starts yelling at him. He says, wait a minute. Are you my father or are you my king? Who's yelling at me right now? <laughs> right. God, are you our father or are you our king? And the answer is, yes, God is our father and God is our king. He's both. There's different angles to the relationship. There's different perspectives to the relationship. And perhaps one way to look at Rabbi Akiva's statement, Avinu Malkeinu, is pick an angle that works. There is a relationship here, and there's multiple avenues toward that relationship. You can't say God is a king, that that's the essence of God. Because God existed before subjects did, before nations did. You can't say God is a father. That's who he is. Because he existed before children, before souls, before creation. So who is the essence of God? Who is God? Well, that's who we're trying to connect to. But what angle or avenue are we going to take? Whichever one works, man. Our Father, our King, we have you. Whatever it takes, we want you. We want to connect to you. In Hasidic writings, it explains Avinu, our Father. That's the soul's perspective talking. Our king, that's the body's perspective talking. Because the body and soul have very diverse, very dichotomous perspectives on its relationship with God. The soul feels very close to God. The soul is like a child of God. It's literally a piece of God. Your child is a piece of you. Your child has your DNA. Your child may even look like you. Your child has, you have bequeathed personality traits to your child. Your child is literally a piece of you. Physiologically, your child is a piece of you. Our soul is a child of God because it is literally a piece of God. And you know where we know that from? This week's Parsha. God formed Adam out of dust and blew into him, into his nostrils, a living soul. Literally a piece of God, a piece of his breath, a piece of him. So when we say, God, you're our father, that's the soul talking. And you know what the body feels like, though? I don't see it. <laughs> I'm my own independent being. My own independent existence. I got my own agenda. I got a life to make for myself. A legacy to make for myself. It's all about itself. Not about the purpose for which it was created. That's the default perspective the body has and the animal soul has. It feels independent. Now, is anything actually independent from God? Okay, no. But it feels independent. Yet, we muster up the courage to say... Even if I don't feel it, you're still our king. And we want both the body and soul to come in sync, to come together, to come to God and say, Avinu, you're our father. Malkainu, you're our king.
Our soul feels close to you. It's a piece of you. You're our father. Our body feels independent. Feels like it has its own agenda, its own purpose, its own meaning. We recognize that that's not true. You're our king. We're going to accept that. Let's refer back to the story in the Talmud. Rabbi Eliezer gets up, Eliezer gets up and recites the Amida and various blessings. He's not answered. Rabbi Akiva gets up and says, Avinu Malkeinu, and he's answered. It starts raining. Why was Rabbi Akiva answered and not Rabbi Eliezer? The Talmud says Rabbi Akiva wasn't necessarily a greater scholar or, you know, more meticulous than Rabbi Eliezer. Why was Rabbi Akiva answered and Rabbi Eliezer wasn't? The answer is Rabbi Eliezer was a passionate, committed Jew. And you know why? Because he was born that way <laughs> or born into it. He was born into a family where he had that opportunity to learn, to study, to grow, to connect. And his natural course in life was, I'm going to be a rabbi. I'm going to be a devout, committed Jew. How did Rabbi Akiva grow up? Rabbi Akiva's ancestors were converts. And the way Rabbi Akiva himself grew up because of that situation, just because just because of where he happened to have the lineage he had come from, he wasn't fortunate to study Torah up until the age of 40, started learning the alphabet at age 40. He was inspired by his wife and then went to study for 24 years. For him, studying was not natural. Learning wasn't natural. The environment of of what it means to be a devout, committed Jew was against the nature, was against the odds, was against the natural uh, trajectory. One way it would have thought for his life, he was just a simple farmer. Yet he pushed himself. He decided to study, to throw himself in, to connect, and he became the great Rabbi Akiva of the Talmud. He had 24,000 plus students. He gets up and says, Avinu Malkeinu, God answers him. We see from this story, there's two things that get us answered. Number one, it's not just the text of prayer. It's the prayer from the heart. Rabbi Eliezer recited the text, and he may have done it with devotion, but Rabbi Akiva spoke from the heart. Number two, the attitude. Rabbi Akiva was fighting against his nature to serve God got to answer this guy, says God, as it were. That's why it started raining. That's the backstory to the Avinu Malkeinu prayer. The Tachnun prayer ends with this paragraph on page 60. And again, this paragraph is recited any day that there's Tachnun, not just on, um, not just Mondays and Thursdays. Let's read through it quickly. Yeah? We'll read through the prayer quickly. We know not what to do. I'll be honest. The Hebrew is much... It doesn't sound like Old English when you read it in Hebrew. <laughs> but okay. 
I, I, I wish they would come out with a translation that was a little bit more contemporary. Um, but whatever, you know, it sounds sometimes it sounds like we're reading Shakespeare in English, and it just it, it makes it more archaic than it actually is. But we don't know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. Commentaries explain why, why are we saying we don't know what to do. We've tried different things throughout Tachnu. We've prayed standing up. We've recited the confession prayer. We've prayed sitting down. We've done the nefilat apayim where we lean ourselves down. We've recited the 13 attributes of mercy. We've recited that there's so much that we've been doing. God, we don't know what else to do. We're at our end. The last thing we can do is just focus on you. There was once a guy who was going through a very difficult time. I don't remember the details of the story. I apologize. But he was going through some sort of personal crisis. He went to his Rebbe. And he said, Rebbe, I need a blessing. I need your help. I've went everywhere to every doctor, to every day. You're the only one that could help. I need your help. Sorry, sir. I can't help you. What do you mean you can't help me? You're a spiritual leader and you're the last hope. I've tried everything. The guy begins to cry. To cry and cry and cry. And he looks up. He says, God Almighty, help me. His Rebbe says to him, now I can help you. You thought it was me? I, I can't do it. If you believe it's God, I can help you. We don't know what to do at this point. We've been trying so many different things. But our eyes are upon you, God. We know we can rely on you. Lord, remember your mercies and kindnesses, for they have existed for all time. You've always been kind. Right? Think about all the times God has been kind for us. God has come through. May your kindnesses, Lord, be upon us as we have put hope in you. Do not bring to mind our former wrongdoings. Well, let it go. Let your mercies come swiftly toward us, for we have been brought very low. Be gracious to us, Lord. Be gracious to us, for we have been surf. What is this? Surfeited with humiliation. Use my English. Okay. And then there's three references where we say, God, when you're in anger, or not when you're in anger, when there's a time of anger, <laughs> cool it. <laughs> when in anger, and commentaries explain not God when you are angry, but in a time of anger, much as what we're experiencing now, um, in a time of exile, remember the compassion, the compassion of Abraham. Commentaries explain, if you look in the Hebrew, Rachem, Rachem Tizkor, the Hebrew word Rachem and the Hebrew word Avraham have the same numerical value. When in anger at a time of exile, remember the binding of Isaac upon the altar. Remember our patriarch's dedication. When in anger, remember the uprightness of Jacob. Remember the 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 the, I'm I'm gonna read this in the Hebrew actually because th this is gonna be much more meaningful. Go back to the Hebrew side. It's the fourth line, last word on the line, where it says "berogez." Do you see it? 
You guys got it? Okay. Berogez, in a time of anger. Rachem, Tizkor, remember your mercy, your compassion. Berogez, at a time of anger. Akeda Tizkor, remember the binding of Isaac. Berogez, at a time of anger. Tmimot Tizkor, remember a time of Tmimot, which means perfection. Um, it's a hard word to translate. They, they call it uprightness. It's referring to Jacob. The word tam. Jacob was called an ish tam. A, a upright person. In contrast to his brother Esav, his evil twin, who was an ish sadeh, a man of the field. Jacob was an ish tam, an upright person. A man of, you know, sit and study Torah and sit and do his thing. There was a time of anger. God, remember our patriarchs. Because we are just carrying on their mission. Bereg is at a time of anger. Remember love. Remember your love for us. And your love for us is because of the patriarchs. We're carrying on the torch. We're carrying on their mission. Right? This is all about, you know, a couple, couple months ago. We were in Israel. We went to Hebron. And we had the wonderful privilege of being at the at the grave of our patriarchs of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Maratha, Machpelah, and Hebron. And I remember standing there at the grave of Avraham, of Abraham. And you just feel like this incredible, overwhelming feeling. And you know what I was thinking of? Abraham, you started this. This monotheism. This truth. Now, Abraham didn't start monotheism because then it wouldn't be monotheism. God started monotheism. But Abraham started this mission and we're here to share truth with the world. We're here on a mission. The world was created by God and there's a purpose. And Abraham would share that with everybody. Abraham, thousands of years later, we're carrying on that mission and I'm here to check in. I'm here to update you. This is what I was thinking. There's Jews in Tri-Valley, California, against all odds, we're carrying on the torch. We're illuminating the world. We're connecting to God. We're connecting others to God. Mashiach is going to come. God is going to be relevant to the world. Abraham's life mission. It's going to happen. It is. This is what I'm thinking of. At, at Abraham's grave, I had like I was crying. It was just like, wow. That's what we're saying. God, yes, there's a time of anger and there's frustration and there's exile and there's lack of clarity and there's questions and we have a purpose and we're continuing that purpose we're continuing the work of the patriarchs we're carrying on the torch god you need us yes god we need you and yes we're at your mercy but you have a purpose for which you created the world and you need us do it for you and that's why we say in the last line 
on, on of this paragraph. Save us and pardon our sins for the sake of your name. God, this is for you. It all comes back to you. That's the bottom line. We got this. That's my story. And I'm sticking to it.